0: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now, here's your host, Cheryl Esposito.
2: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a special guest. Once again, Deirdre Haidt is joining us. Deirdre is a spiritual teacher, a healer, a mystic, and a visionary leader. She works in the ancient arts of the wisdom traditions, and she's going to tell us more about what that really means to most of us. She's a founder of the Foundation for Radiance. Now, this is a nonprofit dedicated to healing those who have suffered from trauma, pain, and loss. Deirdre is one of the most compassionate people I have ever met in my life. Deirdre, welcome back to Leading Conversations.
3: Well, thank you, Cheryl. It's truly an honor to be here with you. Thank you
2: so much. Well, we're delighted to have you here, and you know, it's been a little over a year since the last time you visited us, and I know that a lot has involved in your life, and so we hope to hear a little bit about that. Um, But let's start by talking a bit about your perspective as a leader in the world of spirituality. Um, What is the importance of the ancient arts of the wisdom tradition and what does that really mean what is the importance yes well the
3: ancient arts of the wisdom tradition are all of the words of the prophets the sages from Lao Tzu to Abraham to Jesus all these great beings spoke of one thing and that is truth and truth is universal. So what I like to see is that we take these ancient truths which are like roots into the earth because they have gone through time. They've gone through thousands of years. They've touched many, many souls. And so this gives the these teachings a resonance, a depth, a groundedness. And we are at this age now the new tree budding, the new age, so to speak. And so our spirituality of living in the 21st century is different than it was 2,000 years ago. We are faced with different challenges. Our minds are different. The way we think is different. Our ability to believe is even broader just by the fact that we can look in the sky and see an airplane. So this new time that we are in, I think it's very important that we connect to these ancient teachings but allow them to become new, allow them to have a new perspective as opposed to saying we're just going to let go of the past and begin uh, freshly, begin anew. I feel that we need to begin anew, but with the wisdom of the teachers that came before us.
2: And that is what
3: I attempt to do.
2: And so the teachings, it sounds like the the truth of the teachings are what endures. And that it crosses all um, different belief systems. It certainly crosses all religious sects. and that if we can get back to that truth, back to that, the core, that's where the wisdom really is. So, you know, I, what I know about our world these days is that a lot of our current societal infrastructure that exists is deconstructing. Our financial yeah. systems all around the world. Our financial systems are deconstructing with being a global village, um, access to one another is so hugely increased. And so, you know, it seems to me that what you're saying is that in the midst of this shift, uh, some people would call it upheaval, although I wonder if we've actually gotten to that point yet, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that this is really the time for us to be intentional. Yes. Absolutely, and Cheryl,
3: um, between now and the end of July, there is a great energetic opening for 2012 that is the creative energy. So anything that you put your intention to now, especially if you write it down, write it on a piece, even just write it on a notebook or a piece of paper, set into motion what you sense of your purpose, your soul's purpose is in this life and I want to really encourage everybody to do that even if it feels as though the ability to do that is far away you put that down on paper you set out that message there is an energy now that is like a wind and it will blow forward to make that manifest
2: so Talk a little about that because, um, you know, we've heard a lot over the years about being intentional and about how we are the creators of our own destiny, and and yet I hear people very often say things like, well, I don't know what my purpose is in the world, and, you know, how do I find that out? and um, So what do you say to people like that?
3: Yes. Uh, well, when... Um when you're not sure about what your purpose is, it there's an easy path to discovering this. And it goes something like this. First, you want to look into your heart. Imagine that you're placing yourself into your heart. And then you want to go back to a memory or a time when you were very young. And you were very happy, very engaged in something. And really see that time of when you were happy, when you were engaged. And allow that memory to surface. Allow it to surface in your heart. Now, Cheryl, in doing this, did you because I'd love to help everyone find their purpose. What, uh, did something come up for you? Of course, you know your purpose, but did
2: something come up for you? Well, you know, when you said go back to a time when you were very young, um, what showed up for me, though then I would not have said I knew my purpose, but what right. showed up for me was um, I was in eighth grade, so I was, what, about 12, Mm-hmm. and i a friend said to me, "You are the best listener. Mm-hmm. you are the best listener. I always feel good talking to you mm-hmm. and And that happened again um, when I was a sophomore in high school. A friend who was um, experiencing some problem um, was said the same thing to me. And it was funny that both times I was so struck by that. You know, people say a lot of things to you throughout your whole life, right? And Mm -hmm. I was so struck by that. And the other piece of this memory that came up for me was that the time it happened when I was a sophomore in high school, the person who was telling me the issue that was going on was talking about another friend of ours. The two of them were having a problem. Now, unbeknownst to this person... The other friend had already told me their side of the story. And when I was hearing this second side from this other person, I had the strangest sensation, like, well, this is very weird because I understand both perspectives. Mm -hmm. I get this. And that was kind of a new awareness for me, that I was able to be in the conversation, feel compassion, and completely understand both perspectives without judgment so you know, those those moments in life right they affect you they, that memory has remained very strong for me so that's where i went beautiful this is perfect because
3: when you go back to this kind of a memory what it does is it informs you of your future it's what i call when uh, when time and space crystallize and become a ray into our reality. And your higher self, your uh, the angels which guide you, the light beings which surround you, in that moment when you were young, you had that awareness. They were all singing to you, mm-hmm. saying, Cheryl, listen up. This is what you're supposed to do. Now, at that time, you didn't know exactly what it was. But now you do, and you've created this incredible forum because you listen so well and understand, and you bring all these speakers and people together for the world. So I'd like to share for all of you that are listening, whatever memory came up for you, the next step that I want you to do is just write down on a piece of paper the feeling tone of what your experience was, the feeling tone about it. And once you've written that down, I want you then to think today of something that's connected to that memory that just makes you so happy. It just brings you into that state of peace or a state of integration or a state of happiness, So, Cheryl, let's use you for an example. You are now living your dream. You're living that purpose that you heard as a voice, as a a young girl, a young woman. Now, notice the thread of connection between that experience then and what you do now. So you created something out of that, and that's what I want all of you that are listening to. Be creative. Use your imagination. What is something? Just think out of the box. What's something that you can do that is tethered, like on a rope, to that experience when you were young? Because, see, when we're young, we're very close to our soul. We haven't yet forgotten who we are completely. That's why I always take us back to when we're young. When I was young, when I was in fourth grade, I was teaching my fr- my friends at school about angels, about the angelic kingdom. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I was doing. <laughs> and how old were you there? I was um, nine.
2: <laughs> wow. I still have the book I wrote, the little school book. <laughs> And how how were they how are these your friends responding to this?
3: Well, you know they listened. I taught them how to levitate. They were pretty excited by that Now <laughs> where I knew how to do this, I have no idea because my parents were scientists and they were atheists, and there was like you know you couldn't even use the word "god" in my house, but I taught them how to levitate. I taught them about the angels. But you know, I remember them being rather cynical about it and I remember getting very upset and very frustrated. <laughs> I bet.
2: So so were you actually able to successfully teach your friends how to levitate? I mean you actually they actually We did it. We
3: actually it? did it. Well wow. we actually did it. Of course everybody probably weighed thirty pounds, so it probably wasn't <laughs> that difficult. <laughs> A little bit
2: easier, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit easier. Mm-hmm.
3: But we, it was all—it was all fun, and everybody oohed and awed and so they would listen to me about the angels because now I had uh,
2: a captive audience. <laughs> Fascinating. So, how old were you when you began to understand that you had something that many people did not? I was about five
3: years old, I I began to understand that. Um, My earliest memory is being in a crib looking around, thinking, what an odd world. Where am I? I have memories all so far back, Cheryl. I remember sitting in my high chair thinking, "What's what's this thing? And what's that? It was, you know, oatmeal and a spoon. And I remember getting very upset because I wanted to fly and the the chair, you know, strapped in to the chair. And I remember getting really angry because I couldn't fly and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't fly. (laughs) But about five years old, um, it started to dawn on me that the world I saw, other people didn't see. They just didn't see. And that was, uh, for me, a heartbreak. That was a heartbreak when I realized that people didn't see um, angels and devas, and people were not aware that the, uh, the lakes and the trees were as real as as real as a human being was, meaning I had a relationship with nature where the nature beings were just like a brother or a sister. I could not tell the difference. I didn't know there was a difference.
2: Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, that is so unusual. And uh, so I have heard other spiritual teachers make comments like this, talk about how... They had an inkling at a pretty young age that um, they were different than others and um, that it became a little bit of a problem in their life. So, Deirdre, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, um, I want you to talk a bit about how that was for you as a young person. We'll be right back. Thank you.
1: booster your business come join Jenny B and discover the keys to your success each week our program will help you earn more cash and rewards with less effort You may even be inspired to join the lucrative world of party planning and direct sales. Discover how you can boost bookings, sales, and recruits. Come learn what you need to do to build your team with recognition and rewards. Listen for Booster Your Business with Jenny B. every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
0: We appreciate you joining our Leading Conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations, and we're speaking with Deirdre Haidt today. So, Deirdre, we were talking about how you knew as a very young child that you saw the world differently and you were having experiences that other people were not and you saw a spiritual realm that other people were unaware of i'm curious about how that was for you as you started growing up and moving into your teen years you know if you were frustrated at 5 years old what was happening when you were 12 and 13 you know how what went on there well, thank
3: you for asking. Yes,
2: uh, 12
3: and 13 uh, became truly transformational uh, years for me, but also very went into a time of great pain, a time of great darkness, um, a great sadness, a feeling of loss. At around 12 years old, um, I was... Uh, really um, feeling the pain of the uh, segregation that was going on in Memphis, where I grew up with, Memphis, Tennessee. And 12, 13, 14, my, my best friend was a beautiful uh, you know, African-American girl. And we were, had such brutal attacks because we were uh, best friends. And we decided to stand up and really make a statement that no matter what, we would be best friends. But we were met with a great deal of disharmony on both sides uh, from many, many people. Um, And it was so painful and so disheartening that I decided at about uh, 14 to go inside and to retreat from the world. I was outgoing. I was in, like an activist. I thought I my friend and I were going to change uh, Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> we're going to change world consciousness. And we were very, uh, very outspoken. Um, there was a, a lot of uh, very uh, terrifying times of 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 fighting and being um harmed, bodily harmed, you know, I was I yeah. was harmed uh physically by people and it got very dangerous. Um and then it it crescendoed into uh my my dearest friend saying I, I can't take this anymore, we just can't talk anymore because there's so much pressure. Now, remember, this was right after Martin Luther King had been killed. Then we uh, moved into the next few years after that in Memphis, and in at least in our inner city school, it became very, very difficult. And so it, I, a place in me cracked. It just cracked, and I remember sobbing beneath this little bridge we had in front of our house that went over a creek next to my favorite cottonwood tree, and I said, I, I, that's it. I came here for a reason, for a purpose, uh, to bring love and to bring peace. I'd always known that was my purpose. I said, I failed. It's not going to happen, and I gave up. I gave up, and when I gave up, I um, tried to find a place of solace, so I went and I took ballet lessons. That seemed to me a great way to escape and so I just took ballet, and then my mother um, was diagnosed with cancer, and I was faced with that very difficult situation. And that's when the healing began to come in because my mother was given a year to live, and she had a um, radical mastectomy. As a matter of fact, I just had a Cheryl. I just had a dream of her about three nights ago because she had a scar that went from her shoulder down to her belly, because in those days they were not uh, considerate of really caring for a woman. Yeah. And she was taught, her feeling was that somehow she was um, marked, something was wrong with her, and she was kind of ostracized or pushed away because she had cancer. Uh, and at that time I started sitting with her and, um, and medit- I didn't know what meditation was, but meditating, I know now that's what I was doing. And, um, you know, I just cried, and I said, you know, I really, I don't want you to leave. What can I do? So I started putting my hands on her, and I don't know where that came from either. And we would see a light, and uh, she said, wow, you know, my soul is thanking you. And I just remember feeling like I was giving her life force. I was giving her my life force. And I did that, and she lived another 14 years. The doctors said towards the end, they said, we have no idea why your mother's alive. There's no reason she should be alive. I Meaning she had the cancer, but it she functioned.
2: She functioned yeah. with it. Yes. Yeah. She, well, she shouldn't yeah. have, but she did. Right, right. You know, it... It takes a lot of courage for a young person to acknowledge the big differences between themselves and other people, and I can only imagine the depth of courage it must have taken you to not only stand up with your friend um, in the face of the danger and the trauma and the pain, but also then stand by your mother as her healer at such a young age. That must have been a sense of huge responsibility.
3: Yes, it was a sense of huge responsibility, and um, I didn't even think twice about it. I usually managed to take on a lot of responsibility just because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. It never occurred to me not to do that. Um, But I was... uh, I I became, you know, a bit torn between staying there and keeping her going and then my desire to move up and on and out into the world. And so that became a kind of a split or a friction inside of me because I wanted to, of course, go out and pursue uh, my career in dance and choreography She supported me, but at the same time, I felt that I so needed to stay beside her. So there was a push-pull. I went
2: back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I bet. And was there ever any sense of um, resentment?
3: Oh, yes, absolutely. There was definitely resentment. I would be uh, resentful really at the cancer and the situation, sure, sure, more than her, but sometimes resentful at her because I would say, well, you know, she she had problems with depression. Sure. I would just say, why can't you just not be depressed? You know, look at what's out here. Look at the sky and the trees. Everything's beautiful. You know, I realize now, Cheryl, that she had probably a, Chemical imbalance, a clinical depression, um, and so I absolutely had resentment, and I went through it, an entire, you know, period of talking myself through this. Of okay, this is terrible to feel this resentment. What's this about? Let me work through. Because I didn't like carrying that around, but I let's just say I had to work through it. It was part of my spiritual path was to work through all those feelings that we had.
2: Right. Well, you know, and I, I want to mention again your foundation, your foundation for radiance, which is dedicated to healing those who have suffered from trauma, pain, and loss, and my guess is that is connected to your whole life experience. Yes.
3: Uh, Absolutely. It is connected to my life experience. And, you know, I've worked with uh, hundreds of people who've had traumas and different illnesses or accidents, working with radiant energy and being able to harness a place of rejuvenation within themselves. I know that this place is within every single person. Now, the path of everyone is different. And everything that happens is a place, there's a place for all, all of you to find the presence or find the experience of God, even when it's a painful experience. It's like there's a road, there's a path, and if you go into it, there's a light in there that is phenomenally transformative. And coming back to my mother, who was my uh, first teacher, my greatest teacher, at the end of her life when she did decide to go, she said to me, you know, do not hate the cancer, do not be angry. She said, this was my teacher, and now I'm in the light. And when she passed over, she did go into the light. I saw her light body leave her body. And the whole room filled with light. Even the nurse was jumping up and down going, what's going on here? Because there was so much light in the room. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was extraordinary.
2: Well, and, you know, I know that there are more people today who are more comfortable with what you're describing. And yet, there is the majority of the population on the planet um, who either doesn't believe what you're saying or doesn't dare believe what you're saying um, because it's too scary. Um, You know, do you see that this is evolving? I mean, you must still have some pushback these days. Oh, absolutely. And uh,
3: I do see it evolving. You know, at that time... I was very private about this work, nobody knew that I did the work. I was completely hidden and I left I lived a very private life of an inner world and kind of been who I was in the outer world. But I find now, Cheryl, that more and more people are having experiences, acknowledging experiences beyond what can be seen. And my purpose is to be a guide that says, I have seen this since I was born. It's real. I'm a, my, my daughter says, you're the most sane, crazy person I know, Mom. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> That's great. Because, That's because great. I've, I'm so out of the box. But when you uh, can allow yourself to just stretch the edges and know that there is something more. And that something more is all goodness, it's life It's this. Pre, there's a presence that wants you to have a joyful life and a connected life, intimate life with other people. When you begin to feel that, your heart, your mind, your body begins to integrate. And when you're integrated, you're very sane and you become wise.
2: Well, so... You know, you said earlier that the way the world is moving, we need to allow these core teachings from the wisdom traditions to um, be our source of renewal. I'm putting words in your mouth, but, you know, really allow them to, to live now and let those be our teachers now. And so why now? I mean, what what's, what do you see for the future of the planet, of the universe? I mean, what,
3: what's going on? Well, what I see is that we, all of us here on planet Earth, visitors to Mother Earth, now must wake up to our interconnectedness to her, to the, un- to the universe, to the elements, to other people, Because if we don't, we are putting our own species at a, uh, we're putting our own species in a place where we could not have a world to live in. We could not have the beauty we live in. I don't see that that's coming, but I do see that if we continue on the same Step of non caring for each other that we could damage great swaths of the earth. I don't see the whole earth that happening, but I see great swaths of the earth could be damaged, many, many people harmed. And we don't want that to happen. And you know, we've, we go to war in one place and then a war jumps up out of another place, and we go to that place, and then another war comes It seems that there's a war that just changes areas. The only way to just stop the war is to stop the war within and to become integrated in all the various parts. And, you know, part of what I'm teaching now is the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is the expanded chakra system of teman- emanations of consciousness. And these emanations of consciousness, which are inside of you, are, are different voices. And when you understand how to bring them all into peace and inner harmony, so as within or so without, that is how we will begin to shift the consciousness on the planet. So it's an inside job for each and every one of us to find this inner balance of harmony.
2: That's well, and that part felt. is really powerful that, you know, we first have to begin with ourselves, and isn't that where all change and transformation begins, yes?
0: And, Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and, and so let's talk more about that, but we first are going to take a break, Deirdre. After mm-hmm. we come back, um, I really want you to really speak to this issue of inner transformation,
1: The Appalachian Knowledge Economy is a program that explores community development and civic engagement throughout the Appalachian community. Such advancements as rural broadband deployment, sustainable development, and economic forward thinking has moved this region to the forefront of our country's technology and knowledge base. Listen for the Appalachian Knowledge Economy with host Joan Miner every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
4: Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with our very special guest today, Deirdre Hayde. So Deirdre. Let's talk about the whole issue of transformation and personal transformation. Mm -hmm. You said that, you know, it's an inside job, how we approach the world and the earth and how we keep ourselves out of war around the world is, you know, become peaceful inside, that it's an inside job. So, say more about that part and why this is so important.
3: Yes, the reason this is so important is that within you is the entire universe. You are a mini-universe. like right? to say the the inside is the outside and the outside is the inside. Now that may be a very a broad concept to grasp, but if you could just even intellectually think of it this way, that will give you the tools necessary. To understand that how you experience reality within you, that experience is projected and it touches every other living thing. Just the way the trees, now they've shown that all trees communicate through a root system that goes around the entire world. So we are interconnected to all things. And therefore, your thought, your awareness, which is a a package of energy that can be measured, it can be qualified within you, that packet of energy called thought, it could be a feeling thought or a mental thought, a divine thought, it actually moves. It doesn't disappear. It actually moves through the world on these kind of strings of energy. And so how you are within you has a profound effect on everyone around you and the world at large. Do you
2: see? That makes a lot of sense. And it it makes a lot of sense to me because I do hold the belief that we are all connected. Um, And and I see a lot of people in our world who feel very isolated from others. Mm -hmm. And so how do you help that person move beyond that sense of isolation to even entertain the idea that we are all connected?
3: Yes. Well, the way I do that is by allowing or bringing a person into a state of presence. And I call this radiant energy. You know, when I went to the um, Museum of Natural History in New York, they have a new exhibit on... On the universe, and when you first walk in, it says light is radiant energy, and it shows a spectrum of light going all the way to ultraviolet, and then it goes into um, X-ray. You know, uh, all the different kind qualities of, of light, and then there's a dark area that it says this is. These are all the qualities of light that we cannot detect yet. Oh, I, <laughs> I like could, that yeah i said okay there that's where we live that's my that's my my realm and um this radiant light is an experience of being connected so my gift that i the gift i was born with was to give to you and give to people an experience of this connectiveness it really is within the mystery you don't have to think about it it's just something that i know how to do and so well, that's what I'm here to share. I'm here to share the experience of being connected or at one with other be- people, other beings, the rest of the world. And when you have that experience, you can then go home and have something to work with. You'll know how to get back to it. You'll know how to get there. So this is kind of like sometimes you just need someone that can put a key in the door and open it. And that's what I'm here to do. So what do you think
2: keeps us from simply understanding that? What do you think gets us going from a child who feels connected to everything to, um, as you called it earlier, forgetting who we are? What is in the way? Well, what happens
3: is we develop uh, in the ego mind we develop what we call an obstacle to that state of oneness. And it's a curious thing, Cheryl, because the ego mind is not a bad. It is a necessary element, just like your computer to live today is necessary. But what would happen to your computer if you were working with it for about five years and then at about age six your computer decides that it knows better than you? That's what happens to us. That's what happens with the ego. The ego is a self-sustaining system that is created so that we can live in this corporal world and manage the information structures that we're given to live in this world. And the ego takes uh, emotions, feelings, experiences, puts it all together and creates a persona of of. Within us, we, when we grow up, we call that persona the false self. As you know, the, the spiritual mystics talk about, you know, dropping the false self, breaking through the false self. Well, it's not so easy to do that because the false self, which is now the grown-up ego, becomes alive. And it does not want to fall away. It does not want to. To disappear and allow the real you to come out. But what I like to say to people is we're not here to destroy the ego. We're not here to, uh, say to it, I'm, I'm, you know, taking you off of me and I'm throwing you into the street. What we're here to say to the ego mind is, uh, I love you. I care for you. Um, However, you are no longer the boss. You are now going to sit in a corner here, and here you can knit or paint a picture, but you're not the boss. <laughs> and, that, and that's the shift. That's the gentle shift to coming back into knowing your purpose and living your true self.
2: I love that. You know, that um, fits so well with when I work with CEOs and executives around out of their own way and being able to develop a sense of presence so that they can truly see what's happening, truly see beyond what is um, obvious. Um, one of the things we talk about is how you know, the, some of their behaviors are really the ego being in charge. And so we develop this um, process where they say, "Well, thank you ego. I appreciate your caring. And right now, this is not what I need. And I promise you, and I promise you, if I am attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, I will do exactly what you tell me to do. Mm -hmm. If there's a fire in the building, I will do exactly what you tell me to do because you're there to keep me safe. Right now, this is not what I need. So go away, and I'll call you back later. And they get it. You know, they Mm -hmm. really, really get it. I find it fascinating that, you know... even they understand that a lot of who we walk around as is that persona.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's
2: excellent. And the key
3: is Cheryl being able to allow that persona to now work for who you really are. Say, yes. Expanded self. Yes. And when this happens, then you have the keys to the universe, and you step into that transformation of being able to create in the world your intention, your vision. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to create the world of our vision right now in this place. And it doesn't mean that it won't be messy sometimes, but if you keep your eye on that ball and you hold fast, it will happen. Absolutely will happen. You've got to know it, you've got to believe it, and you've got to hold on to it. And when you do, the, the seas begin to part. People begin to show up. Because the presence of pure creation, you could call this presence God if you like, holy desires that our world work in perfect harmony. That all people uh, live in abundance and joy and peace, that is the great calling of the presence. That is the presence's desire. That and nothing more. And when you hold that within you and you find this pathway within you, you become the emissary for that for many people just by your existence. You don't even have to do anything else but exist.
2: Does that make sense? It makes sense. Hmm. Perfect. And I know that um, you have a workshop coming up that would be so useful for teaching people this. Um, In June, between June 8th to 10th at the Omega Institute in New York, which is a beautiful campus. It's a fabulous place to to retreat and go in and learn. Um, So tell us a little bit about that in our last few minutes.
3: Yes, I'd love to. I'm just delighted to be, uh, been invited to come to the Omega Institute. And I'm going to be giving a weekend, uh, workshop and retreat on, uh, what I call Radiance Pure Energy and uh, the Tree of Life in You. And we're going to be experiencing these deep levels of awareness, of working with radiant energy, and I'm going to also be teaching how you can learn about these different emanations within you of the tree of life to bring yourself into inner harmony and inner peace. And you know what that means is how to work through a conflict with somebody, um, how to take a bad day and make it a great day, how to uh, take a situation that is confusing and bring clarity to it. How to get new ideas for a project you have so you can see it from a different perspective. Move into that greater sense of your mind. Um, How to find the rays uh, for self-healing. If there's an illness, there's an energy in you for self-healing. I'll be teaching how to do this. So it's all very much, as I said, practical 21st century tools based on ancient wisdom for us to live happier, healthier, more integrated
2: lives. Well, what a great opportunity to be able to sit with you, one of the master spiritual teachers of our time, to really connect one's present-day life to those ancient wisdom traditions that you've been talking about And I love that you talk about how practical it is because I think that that's probably um, probably one of the things that people assign to the whole concept of ancient wisdom is that it's not practical. And in fact, you are demonstrating that it is and that it can be applied to our lives ongoingly.
3: Yes, absolutely. Applied every day, every moment. They say, you know, we none of us really have a lot of time to spend hours in meditation every day. So how do you live in that life of meditation? And meditation is simply mindfulness, awareness. How do you live in that to be able to make happen what needs to happen and get through the kerfuffles that life throws our way. You know, that, I think at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. <laughs> so <laughs> do we make it through, and how did we make it through? I want everybody to make it through uh, glorious and happy. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> That's great. So I want to remind people of what you said earlier, that between now and the end of July, there is a very powerful opening for 2012, and that... Um, very important to write it down, you know, whether it is a simple sentence or something that is more detailed, that this is what sets into motion your purpose in life. That is so powerful, Deirdre. Thank very you.
3: Good. Well, thank you so much, and it's really uh, such an honor to be with you because you are a gift. Your voice is a gift, your ability to listen, to compassion, and to hear. And so I'm deeply honored that you have me here today, and so wonderful to feel and experience all the people who are part of your community, um, such beautiful souls. Thank you so much.
2: Well, Deirdre, we're very happy to have you here. Now tell people how they can learn more about you or learn more about your workshop coming up.
3: Yes, uh, my website is uh deirdrehay.com it's D E I R D R E H A D E dot com. I know it's an unusual name, but my father gave it to me. It's Celtic, and so <laughs> I, guess I have to stick with it. But the, my website is my name, and you can come to my website. I have classes. I have the Omega Retreat that we're so excited about coming up. We love so welcome all of you to come join us and just bathe in the radiant light we'll be working with, um, and I have writings on there. And just it's—I um, like to see if my site is a place of information and community.
2: So wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Deirdre, mm, and it's well, an honor you. to have you here. Oh, Thank you. And remember, so. everyone, to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl, Beautiful.
0: as you know.